0: So if you uh, haven't been here, we started a new series last week on prayer. Um, I can't emphasize enough that this is a series. When it comes to prayer, there are questions and there's experiences and there's things that have happened that you can't unpack and talk about in one week. So if at the end of a message during this series, you feel like you have more questions than you started with, uh, I do challenge you to come back and be here for the whole series as we unpack and talk about each thing. I also want to highlight that we do have a box over here on the table next to the soundboard where you at any point, if you have a question, you can write that, put it in the box, and then uh, we're kind of working towards if we get enough questions, uh, you asked for it type series where we'll ask, answer some of the questions that, that you guys submit and have. That said, last week we, we looked at one question, and that was does prayer really change things, right? Like, does it really change things? Because, because truth be told, we know that God is all-powerful. He's everywhere. He knows everything. He's in charge of everything. So if something plays out and we pray and our prayer is answered, does that mean that our prayer changed the mind of God or was that already gonna be God's will anyway? And if I wouldn't have prayed, would it happen? And we kind of, we dove into that and we looked at, well, the evidence shows, if you look at scripture, we look specifically at several different stories, but Moses in particular, when he's having this conversation with God and God looks down at the people he just rescued from Egypt and they're worshiping a golden calf and God is furious. And he says, I'm gonna rain down my wrath on them. I'm gonna destroy them. And I'm gonna start anew with you, Moses. And Moses prays and it says that, God changed his mind because of Moses's prayer. And we looked at the fact that, you know what, prayer does change things. God is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, but he is such a relational God that he allows his creation to pray and request and petition him, and he answers. I think about stories in my own life. Many of you know kind of that When I graduated high school, I got rear-ended before I started college and I fractured four of my lower vertebrae. And and, um, the thing that really concerned me the most was I was gonna be in this really awkward, uncomfortable back brace that looked really, really goofy my freshman year of college. And ladies aren't really impressed by a back brace, if you know what I'm saying, right? And I needed to impress some ladies, and I was like, well, you know what? I can't be wearing this back brace, and it was causing anxiety, and I was worried about it. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I, I really just didn't want that situation and I uh, went to this men's retreat and uh, we're at this men's retreat. And I kind of talk about a little bit how I, I don't really, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about the way my back is going to heal. I'm going to be injured for the rest of my life. I'm going to have back problems for the rest of my life. And this, it was a men's retreat. And so at that moment, we're around the bonfire and all these men, everybody there gathered around and laid hands on me and prayed for me. And you guys see, I was supposed to be in this brace for three to four months, well into the beginning of the school year. And it was like three weeks and I was out of the brace. Not once did I have to wear it when I was at school. Not once did I have to face that. And I, and I was supposed to have back problems for the rest of my life, and I don't. I don't wake up in the morning now as I age. You know, it might happen, especially if I don't lose some weight, but, but it's not gonna be because of the car accident. Like, I don't have back problems because of that car accident. God healed me. He listened to that prayer. He listened to my prayer. He listened to the prayer of those men, and he worked in an amazing way. So prayer works. works except when it doesn't, right? Because I, I talked about it a little bit last week, but I, I talked about how my uh, grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I didn't know grandma was gonna be here today, but it makes it a little more emotional for me. But I, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that grandpa would be healed and he wasn't. And it, the disease got worse and worse and, and I'm praying and prayer's not working. And it got to a place where I realized that, that he was honestly a burden and I was just praying that the Lord would just take him. And he didn't. It seemed like he just kept living on forever and ever. And I struggled. I was like, God, why aren't you listening to my prayer? Why is prayer not working? I think about my (laughs) mother-in-law. I didn't know I was going to be emotional. Battle of cancer. And we pray and we pray and we pray. Things are looking up. It seems like things are going well. Then we get more bad news. And it's like, it's not getting better, it's getting worse. Over two years, she's been battling, still facing it. <laughs> and prayer works, except when it doesn't. And so it drives me into, the, into Scripture, and it drives me to ask, you know, is there an effective way to pray? If I use different words, if I said different things, if I was on my knees or laying on the ground, or if I'm at the altar, if I pray out loud, is there, is there an effective way where if I manipulate my words and I say the right thing, that God will answer? Because it, like, it seems like there's prayers that work and prayers that don't, right? And so I'm, I'm wrestling with this. I'm saying, okay, so what's the, what, what's the answer? And, and I'm not the only one. And I imagine if you're in here today, you have that same question. And, and the cool thing is the disciples had the same question. They're walking and they're living and they're going day to day with Jesus. And they look at Jesus and they're like, Jesus is, he's beyond wise. Like these Pharisees ask him questions and try to trap him. And he's got the perfect answer every time. Jesus prays over something and it multiplies. We see water turned into wine. We see two fish feed thousands of people. And it's like God, as Jesus is walking this earth, he's living this life. He's got this power. There's something about him that God listens to him. He knows what he's doing. And the disciples, they look at Jesus and they don't ask, they don't ask, Well, how do I do that miracle? Jesus preaches this this beautiful message. You can read it in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. It's this amazing message that's convicting and challenging and encouraging all at the same time. And the disciples don't say, Lord, how do do I preach like that? They look at Jesus' life in Luke 11, and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. They realize that the the secret sauce, Jesus' secret sauce was not his power, but his prayer. His, the way he lived out his life was every day they saw him going away to the secret place, getting up into the mountaintop, separating himself, and praying. And it was through that prayer, his effective prayers, that he had an effective ministry. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And as we kind of get into it, our, our passage today is going to be in Matthew 6, and, and it's part of this where, where they, Jesus answers that question, and we're reading the Matthew version instead of the Luke version because it goes into a little bit more detail. But Jesus says, he answers this question, he says he says this, starting in verse 5, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. truly. I tell you, they have already received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. So Jesus is saying, hey, there is a good way to pray. There is an effective way to pray. There is a right way to pray, right? You see these hypocrites who are praying in the streets out loud and they get their reward. But if you pray in secret and you pray our father who are in heaven, you you know the Lord's prayer. But what's interesting here is there's All throughout Scripture, all throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus praying. You can go and you can look at John 17 and the high priestly prayer. And Jesus has this long dialogue with his heavenly Father where he's praying. And it sounds nothing like the Lord's Prayer. He doesn't use the same words. He doesn't use the same rhythm. He doesn't use the same phrasing. So when we look at this and we say, okay, God, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. He's not giving us a formula. He's not saying you have to say it like this every single time, but he's giving us a framework in how to pray. See, the disciples knew if they knew what Jesus knew, they would pray like Jesus prayed. So they asked Jesus about his secret, how to teach us to pray. And he says, listen, it's not not about saying the right words. It's not about, listen, this is a this is scary part because when, when I'm preaching, I'm thinking, okay, there is a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. What I don't want you to hear is, you know what? I prayed for grandma and I prayed and I prayed and I wanted God to hear me, but, but I prayed out loud at church and I also prayed the same prayer over and over again. And Jesus just said that not to do that. So because I prayed wrong, he didn't answer it. But if I would have prayed right, he would have answered it. And so it's my fault that grandma didn't get better. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying you have to say these words. He would pray and he would talk. He would pray to the Lord. He would pray to his heavenly Father. As you go and you read the rest of the New Testament, you see them praying in the in the spirit. Paul talks about praying in the spirit. There's, you don't have to say "Our Father" in every prayer. You don't have to end every prayer with "In Jesus' name." It's not this this formula, this prescription of this is how it's done. But he's talking about he's talking about the posture. Of our heart. See, it's not highlighting the words we use, it's highlighting the posture of our heart. Sometimes we pray to the Lord, sometimes we pray to God, sometimes we pray to the Father, the Holy Spirit. It's all acceptable. Your words aren't powerful. Your God is powerful. I mean, think about it. Think about it. No God was never hand was never forced because of good grammar. Can I get an amen? <laughs> God's hand was never moved because of good grammar. Because I said, God, "Can you just imagine? Imagine God being up on His heavenly stage, looking down." He said, "Oh, did y'all hear that, Michael? Michael, come here. Listen to this prayer. Oh, Gabriel, listen to. I'll have to answer that. Did you hear how ele- all the these and thous and the arts? Did you hear how elegant that prayer was?" God was never moved because of the right words, the right phrase. He was moved by the heart of people. And when he's saying don't pray out loud, don't say the same words over and over again, he's saying don't pray for your own glory, pray for my glory. When you go into the secret place, you're you're connecting with God. You're in a relationship with God. You can pray out loud. There's so much power. If you've ever been in a room where there's a group of people all praying out loud, there's so much power in that. Not because they're praying out loud but because they're connecting with God on a relational level. It's not about the words you use. It's not about whether you're on your knees or on your face or standing up or sitting down. In fact, it has nothing to do with you at all. It's about connecting with God. It's about the posture of your heart. And the posture of your heart when you look at this prayer is our Father. Let me just highlight the first two words there. Our Father, and we'll dive more into this as, the, as it unfolds, but our Father. He, Jesus could have said Yahweh. He could have said Jehovah. He could have said Elohim. He could have said all these names that God has. There's a, there was a book I saw a while back called The 365 Names of God, right? And it was a different name of God for every day. He would pray a different name of God every day. I heard one pastor one time call God Jehovah Sneaky, right? Because <laughs> he snuck in and answered a prayer without anybody knowing, right? And so there's all these different names and titles that Jesus could have addressed at the beginning of his prayer. But he didn't address him as, as his title. He addressed him as the relationship our father, not Yahweh, but dad. I, this is such a, a, a beautiful thing, especially now as a parent, especially now as a parent where my daughter's beginning to talk and connecting two and three words together at a time. And, and one of her favorite things to say is, daddy, daddy, look. Daddy, look, right? She'll build something with her blocks. Daddy, look, wanting daddy to come look, right? And, and, and believe it or not, she can actually say George, thanks to Peppa Pig, right? If you've seen Peppa Pig, her brother's name is George. So she'll say, George, George. But she doesn't refer to me as George. She refers to me as daddy, as the relationship. And Jesus is saying, look, the posture of your heart, the posture that you have when you address God, the posture that you have when you're going to the Father, when you're praying, is Father. It's Daddy. The, the, they actually use the Hebrew, even though this is, if you go to the original text of the New Testament, it's written in Greek, right? But there's not a Greek word. So they have to just carry the Hebrew over, and it's called Abba, right? You might have heard that, Abba, Father. It's like Papa, Dada. That is this basic level of a relationship with God. Our prayer is not about, listen to me, it is about taking our request to God. He he asked for us to petition to his name. You you don't have because you don't ask, right? There's all kinds of Psalms where he petitions people to come to him with their request to cry out to him. But prayer is so much more than bringing our requests to God. It's about being in communion and relationship with him. It's intimate. The the story of Elijah when he's, he's running for his life. He's full of anxiety. He's scared. He's hiding in a cave and there's an earthquake. And God's not in the earthquake. He's hiding in the cave and there's a fire. God's not in the fire. He's hiding in the cave and there's a tornado. There's a strong wind. And God's not in the wind. God's not in the earth, wind, and fire. You get get it? God's not into big things. But then it says there's a still, soft whisper. I was in my my own devotional time listening to a a message uh, for me, not for you guys, but this illustration just kind of popped into my head, so I'm going to use it. Uh, Lauren, I need you to come up here for a second. Again, this is not my illustration, so I'm stealing it. Okay. So the word that the the uh, Hebrew Bible that they would use for God was Yahweh, but they wouldn't even use the vowels because God was so reverent and so uh, amazing and they, they, they didn't want to disrespect him by using what vowels. So it would often be pronounced Yahweh, Yahweh, which means breath, right? So breath, God was the source. He was the breath, Yahweh. God was not in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the earthquake, but he was in the whisper. And you know why? Because for her to listen, for her to hear the whisper, I have to be close. I have to be intimate. Thank you, Lauren. You can sit down. <laughs> you're, you're welcome for that. <laughs> God was in the whisper because he's close. You have to be close to hear the whisper it's a relationship it's a relationship and this is why this is so powerful because because there's this sense in our culture when something bad happens and God becomes the happy pill where I just go to him because I need him to fix everything and there's no relationship it's just a, a list of requests for God and God is for the request don't hear me wrong but it's more than that. He wants a relationship, an ongoing conversation, a personal close-up interaction every day over and over again. That's what a prayer life is. Uh, I heard another pastor explain it like this, that our prayer life should be in two different gears, for those that are are, uh, like cars and stuff like that in here, okay? Two different gears, park and drive. Park and drive. You're, You're your park prayer is is what I think a lot of us think about in the church. It's that moment when we wake up or in the middle of the day, whenever we have our quiet time and we park, we're sitting there before God, we're listening to him, we're writing things down, we're praying, we're giving him our requests, we're reading our Bible. It's this intimate relationship of being one-on-one, being still in the presence of God. That's park. But there's also drive. And drive is that quick two- or three-minute One minute, 30 second prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, give me strength here. It's ongoing while you're moving in there throughout the day. It's not just in the morning, not just in the evening, but every moment without ceasing to use Paul's words. It's this constant prayer. And that's what it means to be in relationship. That's what prayer is. It's not just, God, fix this situation. God, give me this. God, bring this. And those are good. We've been praying for a worship leader forever, right? And we're like, God, bring us a worship leader. Bring us a worship leader. That's what we're praying for, and that God wants that. But he doesn't want Sunday mornings to be all about us wanting a worship leader. He wants Sunday mornings to be about us connecting with him. In whatever way possible, through prayer, through the songs we have, through the message, through the conversation with each other, it's about being in relationship with him. Father, it's intimate. It's conversational. It's not transactional. Give me this, I'll give you this. But it's a relationship. And before Father, he starts off with our. If you look at the Lord's Prayer, there's no personal pronouns. It's our. Give us our daily bread, our, us, our, we. It's these, these groups, it's relational. So prayer is about us and God, but it's also about the community. It's about the bigger family. It's about being in this together. The interesting thing about this is, is we, we've talked about uh, free will and we believe that you know not everything is predetermined by God; some things are Jesus was coming, Jesus will come, those things are not going to be deterred by by man that's going to happen. God has these predetermined plans, but whether or not you hit the snooze button and skip the gym or not, that God leaves things up to human will. We have free will right and in the sense of free will it's this being in relationship and and there's this sense of when we pray. What if I'm praying the exact opposite that you're praying? Well, I think about this with salvation, right? We firmly believe that, that God gives us, he frees our will, gives us the ability to choose God over sin. That's what we believe, right? But it's our free will to choose. So if you're praying for God to save somebody, you're praying for God to save somebody and they end up passing away and never surrender their life to the Lord, you are praying against their free will. Does that make sense? So there's times when God doesn't answer prayer because it's it's going against somebody's free will. Praying that so-and-so would love me, right? And here's the deal with this. Here's the deal with this. We pray this every single day over Addie Lee, that God would draw her that the Holy Spirit would pull her into a relationship because God can, man, he can come down with a heavy draw. He could come in and say, pull and pull and pull, like Paul on the, on the horse and being blinded by the light where there was no other way but God for Paul to surrender and follow Jesus, right? There's this, we believe that God draws people in and that's what we pray. But we have to understand that, that prayer is about relationship and people have free will. But there's also this beautiful part about, about praying for other people praying for other people in the workplace. If they know you're a Christian, you've probably heard it before. I hear it at work all the time. George, I need you to pray for me, right? And a lot of times it's kind of uh, flippant and passing and kind of a funny thing. But but if I'm able, I will say, well, what do you want me to pray for? Get it, make them specific. And I say, okay, I'll definitely pray for that. And I have sticky notes in my drawer where I actually like write people's names down because Customers I might not ever see again, but if I do see them, I want to remember their name. And, and when I open my drawer and I see that I pray for them, right? There's this sense of, of genuinely praying for people when they ask because prayer is relational, not just with God, but with others. And even more powerful, what if you prayed right there on the spot? Now, don't be pushy. Don't necessarily make... Uncomfortable is okay, like if you're uncomfortable, but, but if there's a moment where you can say, hey, I mean, can I pray for you now? Even if you're an introvert, just pray for 10 seconds, okay? If you're extrovert, you got to pray for at least 12. That's just the way it works. <laughs> no, but, but seriously, what if you stop in that moment, pray out loud for that person in that moment, because prayer is Relational. It's not about our transactions. It's not about just our requests. requests are good, but we need to be in constant conversation with our heavenly father, both between us and him and for our others, for other people in our, in our workplace, in our church. Prayer working is not equal to getting what we prayed for. It is part of it right it's part of it when we pray and god answers our request that's a great thing that's part of prayer but prayer is so much more than just getting what we prayed for prayer working is a constant communion with our creator see and he, and here's why it's more here's why it's more than us just getting everything we ask for because god is willing and able he has the power to answer every prayer you bring him and he is willing to answer every prayer you bring to him he is willing and he is able, but he is also loving and wise. He's loving and wise. I'm gonna steal another illustration because I couldn't come up with one good enough for, that for my own life, but, but there's a, a pastor friend who was having an Easter service. He was having an Easter service and they had this big plan. They had this whole skit planned out and a part of this skit was to have these two kids walk in with this cute little lamb. This is precious little real life, real lamb, right? Cute little fuzzy white little ball of cotton lamb. These kids walking in with it. And this pastor had a connection with some people that worked at the Yellow River Game Ranch. And so he said, hey, can you hook me up? And they're like, yeah, I got you. He's like, no, I need a lamb. It needs to be cute. We're going to have two kids walking it in. They're like, yeah, I got you. I got you. Easter morning rolls around. The lamb shows up. They, he walks in to see this lamb. And it is a full-grown 150-pound horse of a lamb, right? It is a huge this is not a lamb, this is a sheep, right? And he walk in, and, and the sheep was actually kept in a, in a crate, and the crate was too small for it, and it had pooped, and the poop was now matted all in the fur of this full-grown horse of a sheep. And the pastor's daughter walks in and said, it's a poopy wham, <laughs> right? And so when he tells this story, he tells this story, it's always called the poopy wham story, Right. And, and so there's this, they're panicking. They're like, what do we do? What do we do? He said, I don't know what we do. The service is actually already started. And so they, they try to wash the land. They try to clean the lamb. It stunk so bad. And so when they start spraying it, it released all of those fumes, right? It made it three times worse. So they're in a small space, a little bit bigger than this, but they have a lot more people. And it's packed, and it's hot, and it's close quarters, and that sheep of a, of a, a horse of a sheep comes walking out, and it smells terrible. People are gagging. People are walking up and walking out of the back, throwing up in their own mouths. Like it is an absolute disaster. See, the pastor had connections that were willing and able, but they were not wise and loving. Because had they been wise and loving, they would have known this is a bad idea and they would have not provided the sheep. You see what I'm getting at? Sometimes prayers go unanswered because we have a heavenly father who is more loving and wise than we could ever think or imagine. And he knows our need before we even ask it. He knows what we need more than we could even imagine what we need. And sometimes he doesn't grant our requests because he's loving and wise and he knows how much it would tear us apart. I talked about it last week. If God were to answer my prayers early on, my wife's name would not be Lauren. It would probably be Courtney because I dated two of them, right? <laughs> There's this sense of God knows our, he knows the desires of our heart before we even do. And he knows us so intimately and he loves us so dearly and he's so wise. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says, wait a minute. He says, it's going to happen, but I need to transform you. I need to turn you a little bit. We have prayers in our life that we plead to God and we pray it over and over again. And God says, keep doing that. He talks about the persistent widow, going to the judge, be persistent, keep praying, keep going. Your prayers have power, your prayers change things. But understand that your God, He wants more than your request. He wants your heart. He wants you to see Him as Father. He wants you to be in communion with Him. It's about being in a relationship. Today we're going to close the message with communion. And the communion is this powerful aspect that's that's for believers because it's a chance of of not just remembering what Jesus did on the cross, but it's a chance in participating in grace. It's a chance in participating in the presence of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ in communion. It's this idea of of, of Jesus' body being broken on our behalf, his blood being shed for us. It's this idea of him making the way for relationship. So you gotta, there's this awesome story and I've told it here before, so I'll be brief with it this time. But but there's this, in the Old Testament, God's presence was in one room in the temple. One room separated by this giant curtain, inches thick. And only one person got to go in there and that was the priest. And if he went in there and he hadn't done all the perfect sacrifices and he wasn't wearing perfectly clean clothes, he would fall over dead. Because you couldn't have any, any bit of sin and enter the presence of God. Because God is so holy, so perfect and just, he cannot be in the presence of sin. And when Jesus is on the cross, his body broken, his blood shed, it says that that curtain ripped from top to bottom. In that moment, God is no longer contained inside this little room God's presence on earth isn't just for this special place in a temple. God's presence on earth is in a special place in your heart. Because of Jesus dying, because of Jesus dying on the cross, because of the gospel, because of that good news, we can have that communion. We can have that relationship with God. That's the beautiful part of communion. And listen, what I want for today, I want this to be a moment between you and God in communion. Sometimes, you know, the pastor will get up and he'll direct you. Now we're going to eat the bread. Now we're going to drink the juice. The directions for today, I'm going to walk over and start a song. And when the song starts, as, as you feel free, as you feel led, walk over, grab your bread, your cracker, grab your juice. And I want you in that moment, to have a moment between you and God. And when you're connected, when you're in communion, when you've repented of your sins, when you've gotten everything out of the way and it's just you and your heavenly father, I want you to take communion by yourself in that moment. And you can take as long as you need. If the song ends, I'll start a new one, all right? I want this to be an intimate moment. And like I said, getting into this community is for believers. So if you're in here today and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, one of the greatest opportunities you could have would be right now to say, you know what? Jesus, I give you my heart. I want to be in that relationship. Maybe you didn't have a father. Maybe you didn't have a mother. Maybe there's a relationship that's been broken in your life and you never knew that God could be a relational parent to you. And in this moment, I challenge you, I encourage you, listen to the Holy Spirit, surrender your life to Him, and let your first act as a Christian be communion. How powerful is that? So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to start this song. And I just want you to realize that prayer is not transactional, but it works, and God is willing, able, loving, and wise. And he wants to be in constant conversation, communion, relationship with you. Prayer is relational. Heavenly Father, we do ask today that you would just meet with us. Holy Spirit, that your presence would fill this room, removing any distractions, that we would feel the freedom to just connect. And that that as we leave this place today that we would connect with you and that we would leave here in constant communion with you, both in park and in drive, giving you our requests, but also stopping and listening to your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. John Wesley uh, wrote about how he would participate in communion at least weekly. Um, and he would often do it at big points in the church calendar every single day because there's this idea of this intimate moment participating in with the presence of God, remembering what Jesus Christ did on the cross as a way of being an in intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. God loves you, and even if you're in the darkest of times and you feel like things aren't being answered, God has a plan. He is hearing your prayers. Let's be in relationship with him. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for communion. Thank you for your
1: presence. Thank you for relationship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.